It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What's up, everybody? So, so sorry for the delay. And Ryan, you're going to have to take over the show here in a minute because in all the chaos of the last hour, I forgot my charger upstairs, so I'm going to have to run up and get that. But we're live now, and I don't want the computer to die, but what a, what a crazy... Obviously, the Matt Milano news uh, dropped this afternoon. Um, I'm home by myself with my kids, and I knew the first big free agent signing would happen in a... In a uh, situation like that. So apologies for the delay, but we are live now to talk about uh, the Matt Milano uh, contract that has been signed. He re-signs for four years, $44 million. What's up, buddy? Did you did something. Oh yeah. It's, it's a party <laughs> at the house right now, everybody. You're just gonna, you're, you're just getting a, a first class, first row ticket into the uh, first row seat into this. What's up? Go ahead. Um, remember how I watched the, um, that one show today, mm-hmm. the one Spider-Man show, mm-hmm. um, that taught you lessons. Yeah. Um, I just remembered the one where I learned the lesson <laughs> that sometimes the answer can be right in front of your face. Um, then, high five. Because I was. Shooting. Hey, can we talk about this after my show? Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, brother. <laughs> This is the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast, and to Kevin's comment on YouTube, Sal Capaccio with the big bomb this afternoon, uh, Matt Milano, four years, $44 million, and um, yeah, it's looking like, Ryan, the estimations right now, we don't have all the details of the of the deal yet. Sal broke it down in finest tweet. Uh, he has the, the years, um, but we don't know the cap hit necessarily yet. It's looking like it's going to be around $7 million, which if that's the case... I mean, we can start there. What an absolute uh, team-friendly deal in a year where cap dollars are going to be so important to have to have that is a huge win for Brandon Bean. Yeah, big-time win for Brandon Bean. And, you know, it wasn't that long ago that I think we all thought the writing on the wall was Matt Milano's not coming back. Brandon Bean gave the – he's earned the right to test free agency spiel. It was the same spiel that he gave last year with Shaq Lawson that he gave with Jordan Phillips, and both of them walked away for big-money deals. Uh, Buffalo is obviously up against the cap at this point in time. And then obviously with some releases yesterday, John Brown, Quentin Jefferson, some money freed up. Uh, you could also look to last week where Levante David re-signed in Tampa Bay. And I think he was getting about $12 million on average in that new deal, if I remember correctly. Uh, so that could have played a role too. And that could have worked out either way. It could have either worked out where Matt Milano and his rep said, hey, listen, one of the biggest linebackers is off the market now. Your, your stock's going up. Or it could have been that light bulb moment from Milano saying, listen, if this is what David's getting, you know, that gives me an idea of what my value is going to be. And I can go to the Bills and say, if you can make this work, I'll resign. I would rather come back to the Bills than even test the market. That's a testament to Buffalo. That's a testament to Matt Milano. And then Brendan Bean has been so good at structuring these deals. So if it is a $7 million cap pay as, you know, what we're seeing with these early reports, that's huge in a year where the where cap's gone down to 182.5 million dollars. 
Uh, those other cap hits will obviously increase as the years go on, most likely. But next year, the cap's supposed to jump right back up to close to where it was. Uh, so that's not going to be as big of an issue. But great job all around. Uh, Matt Milano's agent, Brendan Bean. So, yeah, great job. And I'm, I'm liking the comments about wanting to know about what happened to Spider-Man. Uh, I'll, I'll give you guys the details in the next uh, the, the la- next live stream. Um, huge, huge deal here to kick things off. And, you know, obviously from, you know, the appearance of this is that, you know, the fact that Matt Milano isn't testing free agency and making himself available next week goes to show what it meant to him to stick around in Buffalo and, um, Josina Anderson put out a tweet uh, earlier today after the news had broken and said that sources close to the situation were like, he wants to run it back. He wants to try to win a Super Bowl. And they were so close. And you saw it in that game, you know, on the defensive side of the ball is where, you know, listen, carving up blame to go around in that game. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of blame that can go around, but obviously defensively, they just had no answers for what Patrick Mahomes and that Kansas city offense were able to do. And I'm sure that they want to, they want to be better. And, it, you know, it's it's interesting timing because I put out a story today uh, on Tremaine Edmonds who went on Good Morning Football. And it was the most animated that I've ever seen Tremaine Edmonds when he kind of broke character a little bit for a second, kind of acknowledging the fact that there are some criticisms of, of his play this year. And he said, listen, I'm about, you know, for the people that are sleeping in me, I'm about to wake them up. And putting myself in Brandon Bean's shoes, I think a big piece of this Matt Milano deal, as, as important as he is bringing him back and all the things that he can do, I think it's equally important because when they're on the field together, I think it elevates Tremaine Edmonds' ability to be impactful because of how good that other guy is. And I think we saw in the Super Bowl, Levante David, Devin White, uh, Devin White I mean, Having two rangy linebackers in this day of an age, that's kind of the blueprint against a team like the Chiefs. Yeah, and, and you know this also goes back to what the Bills have. They have a secondary that has Trey White, Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, three of the four starters at least running it back. Now you have your two key linebackers running it back. There's something to be said about maintaining that core of your roster. And, and like you said, there were some struggles in that Chiefs game. It was bad all around. It was just a bad game plan. Uh, the Chiefs were finding the pockets and the holes in the defense. They were they were getting open. They were making the, the Bills pay for it. But you also have to remember how well this defense has played over the years, how well Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds have worked together, the communication on and off the field, the bond that they've built. It wasn't that long ago. I know 2020, 2021 has felt like a really long time, but it wasn't that long ago that Matt Milano said, he wanted to stay with the Bills for his career. He wanted to be here forever. And that was not just player talk or talk of a player entering free, you know, his free agent year. That was legitimate. This was someone who loves where he's at. This is someone that doesn't need a big flashy city. He is a self-proclaimed minimalist. So I think this city's perfect for him. I think he's all football, which is exactly what Brendan Bean loves in players. Uh, it, it was just a perfect match from the get-go. When Sean McDermott was able to draft him in his first year here in 2017, he fits the culture. He fits the scheme. This deal just made too much sense. Listen, there's a lot to to kind of dive into when it comes to Matt Milano's importance on the field and his play in 2020. Um, I think you can argue there's a couple pieces to this. Number one, I think it's important to note, as good as the Bills were, they were better when Matt Milano was on the field. You know, 10-0 and in the regular season, 2-1 and in the playoffs. Uh, you know, 
12 and one with Matt Milano in the lineup all season. It's not too shabby. And I think that that, you know, was going to play into his ability to get these kinds of numbers uh, in a yearly contract. I think going into the off season as the, the, the season was winding down, you look at spottrack.com and over the cap and some of these projections of market value. And, you know, you really start to worry if Matt Milano is the best guy on the market, however, it ends up shaking out, which I think after Levante David signed, he was, I mean, if David signs for 15 million, you're you're probably looking at 14 million for Matt Milano, and you might be getting a deal on this because uh, of the situation, the circumstance, the fact that he wants to be here, which is a great thing. And you know, for both parties, it's a good deal for Matt Milano, who still has to prove that you know he's played, he's been able to play, you know, 16 game season. I, I don't I think the injury stuff is a little bit overblown, but it does seem like every year there's at least something that comes up. Now he plays a physical style of football. He's a little bit undersized at that position. Um and, and so I think that you know injuries are gonna happen and that's fine. But when he was on the field, he was good. Now, as good as he was for a lot of this season, especially dealing with injury and playing through it when maybe he was having some of his struggles at times playing through those injuries and trying to get back to a hundred percent. Understandably so. His pro football focus grade is not going to blow you off the map for this season. As a matter of fact, I think amongst Bill's starters, he was in the, the bottom third in terms of overall grade. But we even talked about earlier in the season, Ryan, when he was coming back from that one game, I can't remember what it was off the top of my head now. He was wearing that harness for a few games, mm-hmm. and there was the one play where he just absolutely got um, you know, almost decleated by a move because you can tell that he was favoring, you know, that situation and he couldn't really extend the way that he wanted to. And so there was, there's elements baked into all of this for him and for Tremaine Edmonds. I think at the end of the day, the continuity is huge, the familiarity in the system. And at the end of the day, this is a really good football player that the bills are going to be able to keep in the mix and keep that core of players in, you know, together. And it goes to what we were talking about with Micah Hyde. Yeah, and he's still young enough where I could see him playing out this full contract. But the one thing I'm going to say is let, I'm, I'm going to be really interested to see the breakdown of the deal because one thing that Brendan Bean does really well is he adds those outs into his contract. So uh, there could be that point in time where it's a t- more like a two-year deal where uh, Matt Milano might be able to uh, add that third year, fourth year, you know, in terms of the bill's not wanting to part ways with him. But the one thing I've seen Brandon Bean do time and time again is say, okay, if this guy's not delivering after year two, we're going to build an out into this contract where there's not going to be a lot of dead cap space. Uh, so this four year, $44 million deal might be more like a two year, $20 million deal. It, it's something that a good GM does. It's something that Brandon Bean has done time and time again. I'm really interested to see uh, what that next step is because when this money was freed up yesterday with the release of John Brown, with the release of Quentin Jefferson, you know, you sat there and you said, okay, maybe they're saving that money to make a run on, on one of those defensive ends, one of those pass rushers, edge rushers. But it seems like that money was set aside to go after Matt Milano. I'm, I'm sure that they were having some serious talks leading up to finalizing it today and, and being able to release those two players to bring back a key linebacker for your scheme, for your system. It, it's a win-win. As much as the Bills would have liked to have John Brown back and as much as they would have liked to have seen what Quentin Jefferson could have done in a year where he wouldn't have to be played all over the line and probably played out of place. It just made too much financial sense to get rid of those guys. If it meant bringing back a Matt Milano, one of your two core free agents, biggest free agents that were going to hit the market. 
the other obviously being Darrell Williams. And then the next tier down, you have Feliciano and, and a few others as well, like Andre Robertson, Isaiah McKenzie. You know, for and thank you for taking the uh, the lead there as I ran upstairs to get my charger. We're all we're plugged in, we're juiced up. We can, uh, you know, we won't be kicked off here. Um, I think that's a great point. Um, obviously, the work that was done this week was, you know, maybe working its way towards getting a deal done with Matt Milano to, you know, save him from go, hitting free agency because once he gets there, you never know what's going to happen. Now, if you're a fan sitting there, you know, kind of bummed out, like Edge Rusher was at the top of your list, or even if it was cornerback or offensive lineman, he, he doesn't have to be done yet. I mean, there's still work that Brandon Bean can do. And I think that some of that stuff, and I wrote about it last night uh, after we did the show, Mario Addison is a really important case uh, to kind of study because he doesn't really need to be cut before a move is made. Basically how this works is if the bills feel like they have a deal getting done with an edge rusher or a defensive lineman that they want to bring up, bring in you, uh, you put out a bunch of tell people about the story that you just put out. Yeah. Uh, the bills are supposed to have significant interest in Danico Autry. Uh, he is a defensive lineman most recently with the Indianapolis Colts. If you remember that playoff game, Autry was a uh, one-man wrecking crew for that defensive line, something like one-and-a-half sacks, two-and-a-half tackles for loss in, in the game. Uh, really made life tough for, for Josh Allen and company in that closely contested game. So, you know, he is not at the top of anyone's premier pass rush list. In, uh, the Carl Lawson's, the Romeo Aquara's, uh, of the world, but he is a guy that kind of fits where price point, he's not going to break, bake, uh, break the bank by any means, excuse me. Uh, but he, and he also has versatility. He can get the, uh, pass rush off the edge. He can play on the inside and get some pass rush there. And he's also really good against the run. So he's one of those all around players, uh, that I can see really fitting into the bill scheme and they could still go out and get someone else. I, that's the one thing I like ab about this regime is, is they're clever, they're smart. They, sometimes they get that premier guy, but then they come right back and they get another option at the position, someone that can compete for a starting role, compete for depth. So e even if Autry is signed, that doesn't necessarily mean they're out of the pass rush game. Uh, obviously, they want to see what they have in Epinesa. They know what they have in Jerry Hughes. They could always keep Addison. Uh, it's going to be interesting, though, because I think they're going to really – kick the tires in a lot of these pass rushers here in uh, the immediate future once legal tampering begins. Mm -hmm. And the legal tampering begins on the 15th. The Bills have until the 21st to release Mario Addison and get that full $5.5 million in savings. I think it goes down by almost a million if they wait until after uh, that day because that's when some roster bonuses kick in, uh, et cetera. So there, you, know, it, you don't have to rush on some of this stuff, and I think there still could be some work done to free up the kind of room that you need and who knows, maybe that, you know, they, they go into free agency with the room that they have. And if they have to make some even more before the draft, they can kind of figure that out as they go. Uh, I know Lee Smith is kind of a, a popular name in terms of his two and a half two, 2.25 million. I think that it is that could come off the books as well. There was a question in here about um, how signing bonus affects the salary cap. And, um, you know, th there's a couple different bonuses and, you know, I'd love to have Mike Gennetti on from spottrack.com right now to kind of put this into per perspective. Mm -hmm. He, he actually tweeted because Joe DiBiase from GR said that on the website right now, they're, they're, they're posting Milano's deal as like $11.3 million cap hit in 2021. And that's a lot different than the 7 million that's kind of floating around there. And that, you know, 5.3, uh, 
uh, million is his salary this year. And then there's roster bonus, signing bonus, and I believe it was a $24 million signing bonus. So that's uh, split up through the four years. And again, all the details are still kind of crystallizing as we're talking about this. And we'll have a better idea once all the numbers are reported. Uh, but so a lot of a lot of the bonus stuff gets kind of strung out over the course of the contract. But I I think Addison's a big piece. I want to go back to him for a second and some of these other pieces because that's where I think the work can still be done to give yourself a chance to sign some of these guys. And to your point, I really like what you said. It's not just about the the high profile guys like the Ngakwe's and um, uh, you know, obviously Leonard Williams just signed uh, some of these other big time player, Carl Lawson. I mean, he could sneak up to 12, $13 million mm. by the time this said and done, but there's some other players out there. A Carlos Dunlap is a perfectly, uh, a perfect example. Um, maybe you get him at a reduced rate because he was talking to Jordan Poyer down in Miami about pl- what it's like playing in Buffalo. And, you know, he's coming off of six sacks and 10 games between two teams and you know what he can bring off the edge and you're hoping that Ed Oliver can pop this year. I There's still some potentially team-friendly deals, I think, out there because of the circumstances of this year and the fact that we still might not even have a full picture of, of the players that are going to be available next week and beyond. Yeah, well said. And, and a lot of those younger pass rushers, I think, are going to get the big, big money, the Indakwas that you mentioned. Uh, there's still going to be a team that probably pays Clowney some decent money. Carl Lawson, Romeo Aquara, the list goes on and on. So someone, someone that's over that 30-year-old mark, like a Dunlap, could be a, a target for Buffalo. Uh, and like you said, Poyer's recruiting him. He played the majority of his career in a cold weather city in Cincinnati. Uh, and if you know, if you remember anything about that Seahawks game, he was traded there, and I think it might have been his first game with the Seahawks. He was really good in that game, getting after Josh Allen. He showed he still had a lot of juice. Uh, he's another guy that you know maybe you can bring in on a like you said team friendly deal, someone that doesn't break the bank, that doesn't reach that ten to twelve million dollar range. They're always going to try. I talked about it on last night's show with the offensive line. Brendan Bean just kind of brings in a lot of players, kind of mixes them all in the pot and says, let's see who's left standing uh, at, at the end here. Who's going to be the, the top five guys that, that can be part of our offensive line? Who's going to be our depth players? He's always bringing them in. That could be the defensive line this year, finding some pieces that you think, okay, I think they can fit. We don't have to break the bank to get them. We, we love our rotation, and they do. They love rotating their guys. So it makes a lot of sense that maybe this year they – get a few extra defensive linemen in the mix to see who's going to be the last four, five, six, seven players standing come time for roster cutdowns. We um, also got to mention Matt Milano's epic, epic tweet uh, moments after the news broke. Uh, He tweeted the clip from Wolf of Wall Street where Leonardo DiCaprio's character goes, I'm not leaving. (laughs) With some expletives kind of thrown in there over the course of it. If you haven't seen it yet, go check it out. It's a perfect timed tweet uh, from a guy that, to your point, is a minimalist and you know is known not to say too much. I thought it was a uh, a really cool tweet. Let's let's shift gears here for a moment. Uh, if you have any other questions on Matt Milano and what this means moving forward, uh, we can kind of hit on that if you want. But I wanted to get one more thing in here before we move on, and that's the John Brown news that came out this morning, which I thought was really interesting. Mm-hmm. He put up a, a quick story on it. He went on Sirius XM Radio and talked about um, 
you know, this process and, and kind of being surprised a little bit, or, or at least that's the way his comments, you know, went to, kind of led you to believe, um, mentioned Josh Allen and said he wondered uh, if Josh Allen was consulted. And if he wasn't almost like he was surprised that Josh wouldn't want him back. And, you know, I, I wanted to kind of just give some reaction to that because it, it definitely painted a weird picture. Like, all right, well, was John Brown uh, not kind of told that this could be a possibility? Um, was he under the impression that this wasn't going to be a problem because of uh, how much money that they could save by moving on from him? You know, there seemed to be some, you know, not enough clarity there on John Brown's end. But at the same time, you kind of sit back and wonder, like, is your agent doing his job? Because I think that with the, the writing was kind of on the wall that, something was going to have to be done there in a year where cap money just it's it's needed yeah it was a bizarre quote and, and i'm i'm a little surprised that maybe what either john didn't text josh though or vice versa after the cut uh it was weird that he comes on the radio the next morning and says you know i'm surprised that josh didn't say he wanted me back well well for one josh allen would love to have him back but he played a big role in Josh Allen's development in year two. And I know he was injured this past season. Uh, and if Josh could have everyone back, he would, but Josh Allen is not this team's GM. He is not the general manager. These are decisions that are well above the pay grade. If this was a year where the cap was $210 million, then maybe Brendan Bean would say, Hey, listen, John has a high cap hit this year. Is he still that important to you? Maybe then it would be taken more seriously, but this is a year where you have to get your, your cap down to a 182.5 and obviously lower than that if you want to be a player in free agents, if you want to sign your draft class, uh, and the list goes on and on. So Brendan Bean might tell the quarterback, uh, Josh Allen or someone else, listen, I know he's one of your favorite guys, but we got to get rid of him. As good as Josh Allen is, as good as a lot of these players are around the league, your Patrick Mahomes, your Aaron Rodgers, at the end of the day, they're not making the decision on who stays and who goes. They, We've seen Aaron Rodgers fuming over some teammates that have been cut off of rosters and that they've parted ways with. If one of the best players in NFL history doesn't have a say, that, that goes a long way in telling you how these things work, how these things are operated. So I think John Brown, I, I think he's hurt right now and it's understandable. It's a business, but it's also something where, you know, you were on a team that was this close to the Super Bowl. You were on a team that you, you had a great bond with a lot of the other guys. The, the wounds are still fresh. I think that he'll sit back. He'll understand the cap hit. It didn't work out. He, he realized he had a high cap hit. He mentioned he was injured. He mentioned that the Bills played really well without him. He said they went 5-0 and without me. So he acknowledged all of that. Uh, but, yeah, it, it was a bizarre quote when he threw Josh Allen in the mix because Allen has absolutely no say in these matters, especially in a year like this. I think that's really well said. And I think that, you know, the, the real truth of the matter is – John Brown is at his age and with his injury history coming back at that cap hit that he was going to cost just doesn't make financial sense for a team that's really talent rich at the position. And I think he's got to know that. I mean, he played with Gabriel Davis and probably knows what the, there's some potential there with uh, Isaiah Hodgins and some of the other things that they can do. And not to mention the bills have seven draft picks and this is another wide receiver talent, uh, a, a very talented wide receiver draft and so i think that you have to kind of take the, all those things into consideration and yeah in a perfect world they love to have you back but i think you know there were some big time moments this year where you know i think that the bills needed 
a little bit more from John Brown and he wasn't able to give it, whether it be the injuries or, or, or whatever else. Um, he had a, a really great two-year run and made a lot of contributions and was really important in the development of Josh Allen. And I guarantee you, when we talk to Josh Allen, when he refers to John Brown, there's not going to be any disparaging things that comes out of his mouth. I mean, he's going to talk about what he meant to him and how important he was in this offense. And um, I think it's a sh the biggest shame of the John Brown scenario that's played out here is that we really never got to see an extended period of what we saw in that first month. Because I think if you take that body of work and the potential of what this offense could have probably been had everybody stayed healthy all year, and I, I, you know, those kinds of uh, hypotheticals are always easy to talk about after the fact. But that offense looked scary good, and they were. They, they, you you wonder if they were able to stay together and stay healthy, what that looks like at the end of the year. And um, so it, it's a bummer, but I think that. Brandon B made the right move. I think moving away from John Brown and that contract and kind of switching gears and maybe looking to at, get younger and um, at that spot, that role that they had that carved out for John Brown, it was a smart decision. Yep. Absolutely. No arguments here. It, you know, fan favorite, probably a locker room favorite. Uh, even, even going back to Stefan Diggs, Stefan Diggs talked about how John Brown was the one that broke the ice at those practices in Miami where, he told Stefan to take the lead on these drills. So you can go all the way back there. John Brown was a good guy. He, he's someone that's going to be uh, well-liked by this fan base well after his career is over. Uh, doesn't ever have to buy a chicken wing in Buffalo again, most likely. So it, it's just one of those things where, like I said, the wound's still fresh. Even though this is a business and players are aware of it, you get – to a certain team where you feel like you're you're at home, you feel like you're on the cusp of something great, and, and then you're kind of told you're no longer part of that picture. So I, I hope he lands somewhere somewhere really good that can uh, use his talents. I know he mentioned the Steelers and, and the Colts. He noted that Ben Roethlisberger still had a really good deep ball, which makes me wonder how much of the Steelers he watched this past season. Uh, <laughs> but... You know, there are other situations where maybe he could help another young quarterback come along. He could find a team that's on the rise, like the Colts would be, obviously, or, or some other team where he can make some money, he can help bring a team along, and, and he can show, you know, to the Bills and to a lot of other teams that he can still play at a very high level. All right, we're going to get out of here. I got to go find out what happened in that Spider-Man episode. Absolutely. Uh, get a little bit uh, more, uh, some daddy time here. The little girl's sleeping. Um, she was exhausted, as, as you could tell pre-show there ryan and then um hang out with my dude for a little while for ryan talbot i am matt perino uh we're gonna try to do this as and a little bit more promptly next time uh there's a big uh breaking news um we want to try to get you guys some instant reaction um and i and i appreciate the youtube numbers here are great considering how long you had to sit in that waiting room and we really appreciate it hit that subscribe button while you're here if this is your first time here and you and you haven't already because i would imagine if this is your first time here um, you're not subscribed. Everybody else is all subscribed, right? And hit that like button as well. It really helps us out. Find us on all the audio platforms because that's where this goes right after the show. If you missed any of it and you don't want to rewind on YouTube, maybe you like your uh, pod uh, pod app a little bit better, find us on there and you can navigate that. It's usually up about 20, 30 minutes after the show. All right, Ryan, any final thought before we get out of here? Buckle in, Bills fans. It's it's going to be wild these next few weeks, especially once the legal tampering begins. There's going to be a lot of reports. Stay with us. We will go live when there's something to talk about, and we look forward to the interaction. Boom. Have a great rest of your week. See you very soon. Take care.